I think it was, it's it's great to um, to have somebody else who doesn't know me, doesn't know you know my style per se. Um, you know, I've been evaluated by the same people a lot over the years, and uh, it was nice to get a different perspective on things um, and, and and get some really good advice too. So I, I definitely appreciate uh, the service that you're providing here, man. out of bounds point you know the signaling um you know having a little more snap to it and then um also the the start clock signal uh you know so it's one of those things you know taking it, it probably takes i don't know a thousand reps to to get it to be natural and to get it to be i don't know if correct is the right word but uh to get it how you want it to be um Plus, like, like I found myself, uh, I'm left-handed, so everything's more natural with, with my left hand. So uh, when I would start the clock with my right hand, I felt a little awkward, but I think it'll just take some time to get used to. Well, that's that's something I want you to develop into a strength, too, is, is being ambidextrous on the court and being equally as yeah. strong with your right as you are with your left. Because when you're watching film and, and, you know, when you're presenting throughout the game, it's just great to be, you know, powerful from both sides. You are listening to the Crown Rest Podcast, the audio experience for basketball official officials. Serve the game. You know, a couple things. Positioning, I think you could be in a little bit better position to see in between these active matchups. You know, whether you're in trail or lead, I always want you to fight for that open look and see in between the offensive player and the defender, and you're not anticipating the foul, but you're anticipating where the potential point of contact is going to be. Right, and yeah, it's one of the things in watching some earlier games this season uh, that I picked up on, you know, for myself, uh, and really tried to work on throughout the season was uh, was getting in between those matchups. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes I caught myself moving up uh, when maybe I should have been moving down. Um, maybe part of it for fear of being beaten on a, on a quick steal. I think one, one of those plays came up, you know, later in this particular game, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely something that I, that I noticed myself too from earlier games this season. Focus on breaking things down frame by frame. When you watch the film, how you're doing mm-hmm. everything from your walk to your run. I think you can, you can improve your run a little bit too. I think it's a little it's a little fancy when you trot to the table. <laughs> yeah. Have you been told that? No, that's the first time I've heard that. It's a little fancy with just the way your feet like go back where they okay. Yeah, almost like a butt kick. Yeah. Like a like a much lesser version, but like the similar motion. I'm just trying to describe it. So I don't know. My, if my it, softball my softball teammates give me a hard time for that all the time, actually. It's just an observation where just Sure. Just see if you could just switch something up mechanically there. Hit signal, I want you to bring it to shoulder height. Keep, okay. it, you know, keep it straight out with that closed fist. And then take the other arm and hit your arm right right on the forearm. No open hand hit signals. Which plays you want to talk about from these timestamps? What stood out um, to you? Let's see. Scrolling down here. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. So, <laughs> At, at 350, um, the, 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 the no call with the verticality signal, 
Um, it, it's funny that this showed up on t- I've never actually done that before in a game. I have no idea why I did it then. Um, but it, it just happened. Uh, like I said, I've never done it before in a game, but, uh, I've seen it on TV a bunch. That's probably where I got it from. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I've never done that in a game before. So I thought that was interesting. That I actually did that. Yeah. That signal has been floating around the last couple of years, but, um, right. You know what it is? It's just excess. It could get us in trouble, similar sure. to when we signal a deflection or we, we signal that the shot was blocked or like a, a clean strip, and then our partner mm-hmm. comes with a foul call. Right. So that's, that's what creates the conflicting calls. So doing, th- yeah. doing, doing excess can, can get you in trouble. So yeah. that's why yeah, I, definitely. I, just, I just try to simplify things, break it down. Spins back um, towards the block, towards the end line, uh, and then the kid, the defender, gets beat on the spin move, and he moves back into the the left shoulder of the uh, of the of the ball handler of the shooter. So uh, probably probably a push, especially I mean especially from that that video angle, um, probably a push or a hit. Yeah, because rather than a block, if we have upper, upper body contact, it can't be a block. Block is something that happens down low, you know, from the hips down. Yeah, pretty much. Right. So this could be a push because the defender is technically moving forward, but I just think we're mm-hmm. going to stay with the hit because it's a hit to the arm. The contact is to the arm. It's to the elbow, sure. and it's from the defender's arm. Right. Even though it's not in the natural hit motion. But it's vertical arms pretty much moving to the side. So that's kind of like, yeah. a, it's a push. But just yeah. report report that as a hit. And do it at the table. Don't do it at the spot. Just one thing I wanted to say, 10.50. You know, I just want you to slow down when you report. Just just focus on super slow motion. Yeah. And yeah, then, I, know, I know exactly what you mean. Every watch in this game, too... Like I, I, I have it in my head when I, uh, when I report a foul that I go slow. But watching, watching on video, I, I can see that that's definitely not the case. You, know, you should have a cadence to it. Here's here's an example. Score the goal. White, twelve. Push, two shots. Instead of score the goal. White twelve. Push two shots. Right. It's like it's like where are you going? Get over here. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching it now. Yeah, so I, I get to the volleyball line. They're they're big on us to stopping, and I, I don't do that there. So I got to stop, score the goal, white, twenty two, push, one shot. Perfect. You nailed it there. That, that's the tempo. Three. Two, one, play. All right, so the ball's stolen. I'm trail opposite. Ball stolen and passed off to the right side. The defender from the lane moves over. I thought he got legal uh, just before takeoff, which is why I came up with charge. Excellent call. Excellent call. I loved your hustle and transition. It was one of your better 
you know, plays as far as your hustle. You really had to show mm-hmm. it at on this play because you, yeah. you just got to that end line just as that contact was happening. But I liked how you right. were, you were watching the defender the the whole time, and that's really the only way to get this play right is if you're watching that defender the whole time because you'll mm-hmm. notice he just makes it into a legal guarding position where he's facing him two feet on the floor before the offensive player um, leaves his feet. Right, yeah, and I had a lot of plays like that this year, um, you know, for whatever reason, just had a lot of them where, you know, either in transition or even a secondary defender coming over um, and getting legal before before takeoff. And, you know, coaches and fans, they're not watching the defender to see if he gets legal. They're watching the ball. And as their eyes move over, they see, you know, they see the contact and they feel like, oh, the guy wasn't there, he wasn't set, or whatever, whatever they're going to say. But, you know, as long as we're watching refereeing the defense, you know, it's, I wouldn't say it's an easy call because block charge is, is probably the hardest call to make, but it, refereeing the defense makes it a lot easier. So on this play, I want you to slow down mechanically. I'm going to pull it up. So you're, you're running in position here. Whistle. Do-do. Do-do. Boom. Whistle. Do-do. Do-do. Then present whatever you're going to present. You basically, it, right. was, it was contact, whistle, wave off, point. Yeah. It should be contact, whistle, whistle, pause, bam. Right. Yeah, we, and we, I guess we, even though the, the trail was coming up and he was, he was still way behind the play, um, technically that's, that's his side of the court. So theoretically, he shouldn't, but... Um, he could have a whistle here too, and we're kind of running the risk for a large. Also, you didn't stop the clock. I think Say that you, one more time. You didn't stop the clock. You just waved it, and then you went behind the head. Let me yeah. Do, right. Let me confirm that. Let's confirm. I think it might have been really quick if I did. Hmm. Good call. Yeah, you got it. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but it's lightning quick. <laughs> Let's see at the table here. Table was good. Just get your point a little bit higher. Okay. Did you have a pinky sticking out? Uh, I probably did. Yeah. Let, let's let's talk that. Okay. Let's talk that. I know a ref who likes to come around and chop pinkies off. So. <laughs> <laughs> Can't have that. Just want to take a quick break from the podcast to tell you about our new IPR service, which is the Individual Performance Report, one of the industry's first film review services. We break your game down into seven parts. You are now hearing the game notes section where we did a full timestamp review on some notable plays and loaded it with some instructional comments and questions. So hope you enjoy. Hit us up if you have any questions about the IPR. You can email me at crownrefs at gmail.com or hit us up on social. Now back to the podcast. Just slow it down. Yeah, it took yeah, for sure. It took you point so, so, eight seconds. It should take you know <laughs> two seconds. Yeah, and, and sometimes I get in the habit too of um, I'll stop the clock and then I'll just point. Like if it's a re- if it's a real obvious charge, um, you know, I, I get in the habit of not going behind the head and um, you know mechanically that's not right. But you know, I, I've just caught myself going stop the clock point and just you know i'll verbalize offense or something like that 
you know, everybody in the gym knows it's a charge, but you still got to go behind the head mechanically. I mean, you, you don't have to do it all the time. It's it's a, yeah. it's in the book. Right. It doesn't have to be in right. real life all the time. So the, the, the one play that I really wanted to see, I was really eager to get this film for, was 4415. That's the one play I really wanted to see on film. On tape, not great, but I, I'm a hundred percent. I was a hundred percent on the court, which is why I banged my hips twice, and I, I've never done that either before. Well, <laughs> one would argue, one would argue that doesn't necessarily make you a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. It could. It uh, could it, make you fifty, and that's why you're going for two, because that makes a hundred. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Three, two, one, play. Run the tape. So this is. It's not quite in transition, but the ball's moving up the floor. Kid kind of gets it loose um, and takes it up the left side of the floor. He kind of cuts back with the dribble towards the elbow and then kicks out to the side. And we got a pass crash at the elbow. Um, so I, I'm lead on this play. And at the, at the spot, I was 100% that the defender was still moving laterally after takeoff. Um, like I said, this was the this was the play I was most eager to see on video, um, and the video doesn't show what I saw on the floor. Uh, and I, I think you can kind of see. Uh, I was talking towards coach there a little bit. You can't hear what I'm saying, but I'm like he was he was not set after takeoff. So that that's why I called a block because I had him moving laterally after takeoff. Now that may be true because you know on film we don't have the same angle that the referee has, especially in the lead position. You know, we, right. we need to see that north to south look to be able to identify the east to west movement. Right. You know, um, I don't know. To me, on film, looks like a charge. So I, I had him sliding um, to the left because uh, he kind of came from the dribbler's left to try and move in and take that charge. Um so he slid from outside the lane back towards me, uh, right to the elbow, and I still had him sliding left after takeoff. Let's take a look, folks. Really like your block signal, though. <laughs> I told you I've never I've never gone twice to the hips like that before. I I joked uh, I joked after the game that I felt like Joey Crawford running up and down the sideline there. <laughs> well, I like I like the first block signal. The first block was <laughs> right. excellent. Right. Keep that one because the second one, the second one does nothing for me because it's not even as strong. It's not even like a double. It's not even like you sure. gave me twin blocks. Right. You gave me you gave me more like the movie Twins. <laughs> you seen that movie? No, nah, I don't think so. Oh, Wait. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito are twins. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's um, like an early 90s movie? Correct. Yeah. So that was kind of like what, what the block signal just looked like there. Okay, you yeah. Know, you, had, you had one just uh, tremendously brolic individual, <laughs> and then you had another guy who was, you know, not as big. <laughs> right. So, yeah, but just back to reducing the excess 
Just you don't yeah. you don't need it there. That that didn't help you. That didn't help your believability at all. Sure. Sure. Do, do you think it did on film? Um. Yes and no. Um. Because it, it was a play where you know the the ball goes to the corner, so I think eyes go there. I could have had uh, you know another couple pops on the whistle probably to say, hey, I, I got that crash and I have a foul on it. Um, I, I I don't like the I, I don't like the double block signal. Uh, looking back on it, um, you know, I'd rather just go one one and done. It's funny. I I always used to rush my block signal, and I think the moment where it finally started to improve and my overall block call was when I turned my whistle cadence more similar to my charge call, where, you know, on charge, I'm tweeting probably four times. Right. Now on block, sometimes I might tweet four times. Yeah. And, and just that's, right. that's just the time frame that I need to see the contact and then replay it in my mind, you know, and then stop the stop the clock and then to know that I have an extra you know point something left to then show what I have that's just comfort. Right. that's just that's comfort to me yeah yeah definitely definitely um yeah that's that's an interesting point i mean it's an it's an impact play um the block charge is an impact play no, no pun intended um it's you know it's one of those plays where you know kids work so hard to to get in position and you want to reward the defense, but they don't always, you know, get all the requirements down. So uh, I think the cadence whistle is, is appropriate. 45, 11, uh, black has the ball. Let's go three, two, one play. Okay. So black's got the ball. They're trailing in this game. They're trying to get a shot. They get a three from the wing, an air ball, white rebound. And a team member comes and it's a two hand shove. Uh, it's hard to see on video uh, from this camera angle, but I'm the lead on the play and looking straight down the end line. The player gives a two-hand shove in the back, uh, shoving him out of bounds. Uh, I go intentional foul on the play because of the two-hand shove in the back. Um, I, I felt like there was a, a multitude of different ways he could you know, uh, foul to stop the clock towards the end of the game. We didn't need the two-hand shove. I thought the the acting job by her was a little excessive, but um, I, I don't think that uh, underscored the foul at all. In this clip, Brady's going to read some of the comments that we gave him for this timestamp play in his game notes. So on the intentional foul, think about the time and score of the game as, at this point. Uh, everything that you call at this point must be completely obvious because it can affect the game for a team. Uh, this definitely looks like a hard foul, but maybe you could not be so quick to signal intentional foul and run up to your partner to have a discussion. On the high school level, there are no monitor reviews, so going to your partner to discuss is like your monitor review. Uh, you can discuss the ramifications of calling an intentional at this point and make uh, make an educated decision. I think you might be able to uh, call a common foul here as this essentially ends the game for black, uh, calling an intentional foul, not an easy play. I just want you to understand you have options there. So you don't have yeah. to come out and signal 
um, intentional foul right away. You could always upgrade that. You can always stop the clock, give it a couple seconds, and then come with come with the the signal. You can always stop the clock, have the players go to their bench, discuss it with your partner. Have those options too. Crown Refs Podcast is brought to you by Neat Tucks, the best way to keep your shirt or uniform tucked. If you're looking for that clean, professional look on the court, there's only one way to do it. Log on to neattucks.com and order yours today. Neat Tucks and Crown Refs, serving the game. Uh, after the game, we, my partner and I talked about this. Um, I, I don't know if you could hear on the play. Um, there's two whistles on the play. I think one was the first one was mine. The second one was his. He told me after the fact that if, if I didn't go intentional, he was going to, he was going to come talk to me about, about making that an intentional foul. Cause he saw the same thing I did. So, uh, he and I were on the same page there. Um, you know, I, I think if we, if we had got, if we didn't signal intentional right away, we would have gotten together and talked about it and had a serious discussion about going intentional. That's good. You know, critical moments of the game, communication with partners, taking our time, slowing down, you know, time and score here. It's a close game. Look, we can't manipulate the game. Right. You know, it's, it's, it, we have to make it as close to black and white as possible, even though it's, there's many gray areas. But just got to just gotta draw the line. Um, you know, this unnecessary contact gets pushed out of bounds. But I want you to just consider the time and score and just, you know, understand the moment. That's all I'm saying. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, reporting, obviously the head coach is, is going nuts um, just because, I mean, like you said, time and score. Um, and I ended up issuing him the warning um, just to, more or less, just to address the behavior of his incredulousness uh, we uh, we ended up having a little bit of a conversation later, um, you know, before the game was over. I said, I said, look, man, I'm not going to see it. It's a three point game. Um, I'm not going to give you a technical foul. Uh, and he he appreciated that. Uh, I think I think after the fact, you know, he, he kind of understood where I was coming from with the intentional foul uh, and the warning. Uh, and I think he appreciated the fact that. Um, you know, I, I, I did know time and score and wasn't going to give him a technical foul, even though he was incredulous on the bench. After, after the foul happened and I'm walking to the table to report, um, he's, just, he, he's screaming at me. He's doing jumping uh, jacks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, doing jumping jacks. I don't remember what he said. Um, you know, obviously nothing vulgar or anything like that, but um, I, I'm a big fan of the warning myself. Um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of great success in avoiding uh, escalation, you know, with the warning and, you know, we, we can argue time and score with the warning, but ultimately there's no penalty with it. So I feel like, you know, using that warning kind of sets that line in the sand saying, Hey, I acknowledge your behavior and I want you to stop. Um, you know, uh, like I said, there's, there's no penalty associated with it. So, you know, I, f- I feel like it's an effective tool. That was a good idea to a uh, good decision there to issue a warning. You know, like yeah. like you said, um, makes a statement, but so late in the game, you know, we we you're not going to have an intentional foul than a technical foul, unless no, yeah, unless sure. it's super worthy. But yeah, no, you did the right thing there. That was a good look. 
Yeah, and then there was there was that one last play where we could talk about two man coverage, but it was just a it was a push foul. Um, I was the new lead, you know, three quarters court, and the play happened on the opposite side of of the the new trail that he didn't get that I came and got, but it's, it was an insignificant play in the end. So I don't know if you want to highlight it or not. Uh, 47-55. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a crew saver right there. Right. That's a crew saver because we arguably missed two calls in the backcourt there. Mm-hmm. We can't have a third. Plus, it really enters your primary in a two-person here. In, um, on like fast break coverage where you're not at the baseline yet you know you're still in a good enough position where you could look down the sideline yeah um, to call that 10-1-4 but yeah that's a good call man really good job extending your coverage there and and, and just knowing there's there's we, there's no set number of how many times a game a, a crew member must come out of primary in order to make the correct call because he's the only one that has the open look. But in this case, mm-hmm. that's all you. So you come from 50 feet to make that call in a two-person game. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, two-person, you kind of have to extend coverage areas sometimes. And keep, keep doing your thing with the podcast, man. I, I, I happened upon the first one. I think right after you released it, um, I was I was just searching for um, for like basketball referee podcasts and just happened upon your show and uh, been listening ever since. So keep keep up the good work, man. So this was awesome. Um, it does, definitely worth the the three game checks or whatever it ends up being that um, you know to to have this done. This this was great. Uh, the the follow up conversation too is awesome. I mean. You know, having an evaluation and some bullet points is one thing, but being able to talk through it is is the real kicker. Three game checks, maybe three three Chicago game checks. <laughs> yeah, I hear uh, I hear Illinois is one of the cheapest states in the country as far as paying officials. Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs podcast. Serve the game.